Well, we are in week four of our series called Mission Possible as we look at the command that Jesus gives to his church, the command to go and make disciples. Be disciples who make disciples. What we've seen is that a disciple is someone who follows or believes, follows, and shares the message of Jesus. And over the course of the last couple of weeks, we've looked uh, exclusively at Matthew 28, uh, 16 to 20, where Jesus gives this command. And what we've seen is the reason why. Because Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. There is no one or nothing that has authority over the grave except for Jesus Christ. And he says, because of this, go and make disciples. He's told us the how. That we have the power, not in ourself, but it's the word of God. He says, make disciples by baptizing and teaching. Last week we saw how this brings meaning to our life. How every calling that we have, spouse, parent, son, daughter, friend, neighbor, every calling that we have, we now have a meaning behind what we do. And it's to go and make disciples. Share the message, share the hope, share the peace of Jesus in every calling that we have. Today, we look at celebrate. Celebrate what God has done by bringing people in. And so today, what we're going to focus on is that, but also the to whom. To whom do we go? Now, if you know Matthew 28, and uh, if you've been with us the last three weeks, you should probably almost have it memorized by now because it's the only thing we've looked at. <laughs> uh, but what does Jesus say? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So who? All nations. Amen. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, what we're going to do is see how we can say all nations is the answer. To whom? And yet we still miss the point of Jesus. And so what I want to do this morning is look at the heart of our Savior. And as we look at the heart of our Savior, we're going to see to whom do we go and with what attitude we go. So we're actually going to back up a little bit. Jesus gave his command in Matthew 28 uh, between the 40 days while he was here on earth. Jesus died, he rose again on Easter morning, and then for 40 days he was on earth appearing to his followers, appearing to many people that he was in fact alive. And during that period of 40 days, Jesus gives his command to his disciples to go and make disciples. We're going to back up to before Jesus died, where he has an altercation, uh, a confrontation with the Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders who were extremely moral and thought that their morality brought them a right relationship with God. Here's what we're told. Luke chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven 
over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Why were the Pharisees and the teachers of the law upset with Jesus? What were they muttering about? The fact that Jesus was welcoming and eating with the tax collectors and the sinners. Who were these people? The tax collectors, in, in, a, in a Jewish mindset, a tax collector was probably the lowest of low. Tax collectors were Jews, and they robbed from their Jewish countrymen. Uh, a tax collector worked for the Roman government, and they collected taxes, but they stole so let's say the Roman government said, you owed $3,000 worth of taxes. The tax collector would come in and say, you owe 6000 and then pocket the extra 3000 And if you didn't pay, the Roman soldiers were right behind the tax collector to shake you down until you paid. And so the Jews looked at these tax collectors as betrayers, as thieves. Lowest of low, you sold out for money and not even that you've earned. You're just stealing it because the government lets you. Who were the sinners? Prostitutes. Immoral people. People who live lifestyles that the church didn't agree with, that were completely immoral, that were drunkards, that were crass. That they, they were the type of people that when you had your kids, if you were a church-going person, you would say, yeah, don't hang out with them. You don't go hang out with them. And who's Jesus hanging out with? The tax collectors, and the sinners. He is welcoming them and he's eating with them. And that was a big deal, the eating. Today, it's, it's really not a big deal for us. We eat with whoever, whenever. But in those days, when you ate with somebody, it was showing fellowship. You were welcoming them. Close association with these people. And that's who Jesus is eating with. The tax collectors and the sinners. And the Pharisees were completely offended. Because if, they were, if he was a man from God, he would not be eating with them, he would not be welcoming them. In fact, uh, Alfred Aderzheim, he was a Jewish convert to Christianity, and he, he wrote a book called The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah. Uh, and so he gives insight into the New Testament on the festivals and, and from the Jewish perspective, because he was raised Jewish. He said that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had a belief, and they talked about this, that those who provoked the anger of the Lord, that there was joy before the Lord when those who provoked him to anger perished. That's what they taught. That there was joy before the Lord when those who provoked his anger perished. And yet here's Jesus welcoming and eating with the sinners, the tax collectors, the immoral people. And the Pharisees were completely disgusted. And so what did Jesus do? Because he knew this. He tells them a parable, a story. It's pretty straightforward. He says, suppose you have 100 sheep and one gets lost. Don't you leave the 99 to go after the lost one? And when you find it, you pick it up, place it on your shoulders, and you bring it home. And then you call your friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. 
what we learn about the heart of Jesus is this. It's your first point today. Jesus' heart is to seek, to care for, and to welcome sinners. He seeks, he cares for, and he welcomes sinners. This is the heart of our Savior, to go and to seek. Not just the church-going people, not just those who are moral, but all people, to go and to seek, to save, and to care for sinners who get lost, Jesus goes and finds them. And that is the, the comparison in the parable. Who are the sheep? People. Which sounds so cute, doesn't it? Uh, how many of you seen the, the picture of Jesus with, with a sheep on his shoulders? And we think, oh, that's such a nice picture. Such a great picture. But do you know that being called a sheep in the Bible is a biblical insult? Sheep are dumb. Sheep wander. Sheep get lost again and again and again. Dogs get lost, but we're not called a dog because you know the difference between a dog and a sheep? When the owner goes and finds a dog after it gets lost, a dog will generally run right along with the owner. A sheep, when found by the shepherd, if the shepherd just lets the sheep walk with him, will get lost again. And so what does the shepherd have to do? Put the sheep onto his shoulder so that the thing doesn't get lost again. Jesus says people are sheep. People wander. People get lost. And they need to be found. And Jesus has a heart for people like that. To go and seek, care for, and welcome sinners. And he doesn't just have a heart for it. He doesn't just say it. He proved it. Because that's why he was there, wasn't it? That's why he left his throne in heaven to go and seek and to save the lost, not just with words, but he put it into action as he humbled himself and he went to the cross where the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, shed his blood to forgive every sheep for their wandering, to forgive every single person who's lost. They're now forgiven through Jesus Christ. And Jesus picks them up on his shoulders and says, heaven is yours. Welcome back to the sheep pen of God. And it's only through Jesus Christ. What does this mean for you and me? Some of you are here for the very first time because your first grader is singing. Some of you haven't been back since last year when your first grader today was a kindergartner and they sang in church. What does this mean for you? It doesn't matter what your life has looked like for the last 12 months. It doesn't matter what your life has looked like for the last however many years. Jesus has a heart to seek you. He has a heart to care for you. He has a heart to welcome you back in, and he has a heart to clean you up and forgive you. And he showed it at the cross. He has a heart for you. Learn about him. Grow in him. Come to him. Because he's not seeking to bring judgment to you. He's seeking you to find you, to console you, to comfort you, to forgive you. What about you and me who are here every single Sunday? What's this mean for you? 
it's really easy to come here on Sunday morning or to come here during the week, Monday through Friday, and, and in the limited time that we see each other, put it all together and make it look like we have things together. But behind closed doors, how often our heart wanders. How often we're broken and we walk away from our Savior. How often our hearts wander from the Lord in our own personal thoughts with the lusts and the greed and the envy of the world and in our hearts we wander from the Lord. Jesus comes to seek you. Jesus cares for you. Jesus welcomes you. And he forgives you again and again. And he's not just going to let you walk away without a fight. He comes to you. He seeks you when you're wandering to bring you back into the fold. This is the heart of our Savior, to seek sinners, to welcome them, to care for them. St. Augustine uh, was one of the first theologians around 300 A.D. And he grew up with a Christian mom who tried to instill Christianity into him, but he completely rejected it. Instead, he grew up, and what did he do? He sought the pleasures of this world. And what was the most pleasurable thing to Augustine? Beautiful women. And he sought them again and again and again. And then he wanted to seek the truth. But Christianity wasn't truth. It was a higher learning of the universities at the time that he pursued the truth at. And then he got into the theater and lived the life of actors and actresses and, and drunkenness, searching, searching, searching. On top of all that, what else did Augustine do? He led people away from Jesus. And that was one of his friends that he grew up with. He led him away into the same lifestyle that he was living. And they lived like that for quite some time until his friend came down with a fever and, and laid completely unconscious. And he looked like he was about to die. And so what did the man's family do? Came in and baptized the unconscious man. And then a miracle happened. The friend woke up. And Augustine was right by his side and so excited. And after the initial excitement wore off, he said, can you believe your family baptized you when you were unconscious? And started to trash the baptism and Christianity and the Christianity of, of the people. And his friend stopped him and said, that's enough. You're not going to bash God anymore in my presence. And if you are, we're not going to be friends. A week later, the fever returned and his friend died. Jesus sought, cared for, and welcomed this sinner home. And that event stuck in Augustine's mind, and Jesus used it to seek him, to care for him, and to eventually welcome Augustine home. It was one of those moments that stuck with Augustine forever, and it eventually turned him around to become a great theologian in the Christian church as Jesus found him, cared for him, forgave him, and welcomed him home. That's the heart that Jesus has for you. The same exact heart to seek you, care for you, and welcome you. And now Jesus says, go to all nations. But not just all nations, go to every single person who is lost. Go and seek sinners. Go and seek people. Go and seek all people and bring them to Jesus. And that's your next point.
Jesus sends us to seek and bring sinners like us to Jesus. Not just go to people like us, not just go to people who look like us, talk like us, value things that we do. Go to seek all people. Go and seek those who have different values than you. Go to those across the political aisle from you. Go to those who live differently than you. Go seek and save all people as you bring them to Jesus. Do you? Do you go and do that? Or do you have a little pushback saying, no, not them? No, I'm not going to go to them. If they clean up first, then I'll go to them. If so, there's a little Pharisee inside of you. A little Pharisee who thinks that you are morally superior than other people, that other people are less important, that, less imp- that other people don't matter, that other people are disgusting for their sins, and that they need to clean up first before they come. And then when they finally are brave enough to walk through our church doors, how do we respond? Do we rejoice? Or do we think to ourselves, we'll see how long this lasts. We'll see how long to the next bender. We'll see how long before they stop showing up. If that is our attitude, there's a little Pharisee inside all of us. And do you know why that's such a big deal? Because that's not Jesus' heart. Jesus welcomes, cares, and seeks sinners. And if we have that morality, moral superior attitude, we are on the side of the Pharisees, who are very clearly on the other side of Jesus. And so what has to happen? We have to break the pride and arrogance, the self-righteousness in our hearts. And how does that happen? We listen to what Isaiah says. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. No matter who you are here, you have wandered from the Lord. No matter who you are here, myself included, we have wandered and gotten lost away from the Lord. And the only reason that we are in the sheep pen of our God, in the fold of God the Father, is because Jesus Christ has sought us, cared for us. It's because Jesus Christ willingly had all of our iniquity, all of our sin, all of our wandering placed on him. As a good shepherd, the Lamb of God was sacrificed to take away our sins. And then, He picks us up on his shoulders and brings us into the the fold of God's family. It's only through Jesus Christ that you and I are part of it. It has nothing to do with our morality. It has everything to do with Jesus. See, Jesus doesn't say, go and clean yourself up and then come back. Jesus says, come in and I will clean you up. I will forgive you. I will transform you. I will do the cleaning. I will bring you in. And it's through the the blood of Jesus 
that we are clean and forgiven for eternity. Jesus sends us to bring, seek and bring sinners. And how do we do it? It's by being humble and realizing the only reason we're in is through the Savior. And so it doesn't matter who that person is standing across from me. It doesn't matter who it is that I run into. It doesn't matter what they believe, what their lifestyle is. They need Jesus, and I'm going to bring them to Jesus. Because I've been lost. And praise God, I've been found. And same is true with you. It's then that we can have the last point. We rejoice when the lost are found. Did you catch the last line of Jesus' uh, section here, verse 7? There will be more rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents than the 99 who don't need to repent. That's not Jesus saying that there are people who don't need to repent. Everyone needs to repent because we're all sinners. We've all gone astray. But there are people who think they're morally superior. A Pharisee who thinks that because of their morality they are good with God and so they don't repent. And Jesus says there's more rejoicing in heaven over the one who was lost but now repents and turns back to Jesus than over the 99 who are morally upright but don't know they need Jesus. There is more rejoicing in heaven. And in the next parable right after this, he says that the angels rejoice, which is a pretty crazy thought, isn't it? The angels rejoice over someone who repents and turns to Jesus. Why? Angels are all, or, or not all, all powerful. They are powerful beings. They are perfect beings, but they're not omniscient. They don't know all things. And what do they want? They want you in heaven. And God has sent them to serve you to guard you, to protect you at the command of God. And they are waiting to see how your salvation plan plays out. And when you're going this way and the word of God touches your heart and you stop and you turn to Jesus, the angels are so excited that they rejoice in heaven over you turning to Jesus, over the lost being found. And so let's rejoice with them. Let's rejoice when sinners are brought to the Lord just like we who are sinners were brought to the Lord. Let's rejoice at how God is bringing more and more people in. And that's how I want to end today. I want to end with three graphics. Our church was established in 2015. That's when we started in a little tiny storefront. Some of you remember it, next to Smoky Mo's on 183 right there. Uh, and since then, let me show you the averages of how people who were lost are being brought to Jesus. Go ahead, first one. Worship attendance. Look at this. Yes, there was a day in 2016 when we averaged 30 people in worship. That's adults and kids. <laughs> Small little number. And yet look at how it's grown. Next one. This is really, this one uh, I've been giving thanks to God about and rejoicing a lot about. We are averaging this year almost 50 people in some kind of group, some kind of small group, connect group, Bible study on Sunday morning, something during the week. If you're not in one, I promise you you're missing out. Just ask the 50 people that are in one, that are growing closer to Jesus on a weekly basis. At one point, we didn't even have 50 people in our service. And now we've got 50 adults growing in Jesus as those who have been lost and now found. And last one. DS Kids, look at that number. That's how many kids are attending our service on Sunday morning and growing in their Savior. 
amazing. How did this happen? Because we who are lost, that have been found by the Savior, have gone out and found other people who are lost and brought them to the Savior. It's because you continue to go out and tell people about Jesus and bring them to grow in their Savior, to grow in the one who has a heart to welcome, to seek, and to care for sinners like you and me. It's only because of that. And so let's continue to go into all nations, to go and to seek and to save the lost as we bring them to our Savior because he has a heart for them, just like he has a heart for you. As we do, we will grow closer to him. We'll see that number continue to grow as we have more and more disciples making disciples as we carry out our Lord's command. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we praise and thank you uh, for having a heart for the lost, uh, for having a heart for us, uh, because so often we get lost every single day. We wander away from you, and you come and find us once again. You don't just let us go, but you seek us, care for us, and welcome us back. What joy we have knowing that we are forgiven and in the fold of God, not because of our righteous things, but because of you and your mercy that came to seek and to save us. Thank you for laying down your life for us on the cross and how you rose from the dead to conquer both sin and death so that we know that eternal life is ours for eternity. We thank you for that peace that we have, that hope and that comfort. Let us bring this message to other people. Give us the humility that's needed to do that. Uh, Help us to find those who are lost because we too were once lost, but we've been found and so have they in, in you. We ask you to bless our efforts that more and more people may know the peace, the hope, and the comfort Uh, that you bring every single day. In your name we pray. Amen.